All right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. And welcome to the second episode of our Raleigh PNC Weekly Podcast. I have with me today Mr. Michael Basili, one of our illustrious fellowship servants. Hey, Blake. Um, how's it going? I'm good, Mike. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And hello to everyone out there. Yep. So um, for this week, I had sent a, we're going to discuss a couple of passages from this book that I mentioned in our last episode, which is uh, Beginning to Pray by Father Anthony Bloom. Um, so we're, look, I went, I sent, Mike, I sent you a couple of pages from the second chapter of the book, which is called Knocking at the Door. Um, so, you know, we had a chance to review those. I just kind of wanted to get your, your thoughts on it and see what you thought, if there's anything that stuck out to you about those those passages i sent well let's let's kind of go over it because i'm not sure people have have read it and they sure sure so if you could if you could summarize it real quick and then i'll oh yeah as you're talking Uh, and then we can go into deeper conversation about it just so everyone sure sure yeah so i mean it's sort of an introduction to this concept of in the first chapter he talks about our perception of the absence of god in prayer and um, leading into that, he's trying to touch on this idea of, you know, there's a door that you knock at when you realize that you're outside. So at the beginning of the chapter, he's kind of discussing a little bit more of what it means to be an outsider and why it can be difficult to understand that, right? So, you know, he starts out talking about, you know, when you're outsiders, I don't mean simply that there's a situation in which we're radically outside or inside, but you think of it as levels of depth, right? Like you start at a particular level and you go deeper and deeper and deeper into like this relationship you're going to have with God through prayer. Um, One thing that really stuck out to me there is that we're, you know, it's, uh, he kind of uh, talked about thinking that you're inside when you're actually outside. And that's kind of one of the most dangerous things. Right. Right. Uh, And that's, that's one thing that we have to realize is that, you know, it's, uh, it's always a progression. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think, as you mentioned it, that that we're always continually growing. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that, so we, we have to realize that there's, you know, it's in, unless unless you're totally off base, you're you're not going to be totally outside. But you do have to realize that some of us do get to that point where we are totally outside. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what's what's so interesting about that he says because we're so rich even when we're outside because of everything that God has given us, right? Yeah. Um. So I was reading. We, no, go ahead. Yeah, so we can't really truly be outside unless we've just kind of left the church, abandoned the church, and abandoned our faith. I feel like, mm-hmm. uh, like there's always some sense of insideness. If if we have that seeking, if we have that longing, we'll always have some that sense of insideness to mm-hmm. to, to some degree. You know, unless we're really sure. truly deceiving ourselves. And what we're mm-hmm. Well, I think it was interesting because I've thought of it reminded me of people that I've encountered in my life who seem to be so rich. And so, you know, like lively and seem to be enjoying life so much, even though they're outside of the church, right? Like they really seem to like, so, you know, he goes on to describe, you know, the, how everything that we have is a gift, right? And he compares it to the first beatitude. So what was the first beatitude? Christ says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? And so he kind of breaks that down into two aspects. So he talks about what does it mean to be poor in spirit? He talks about that utter poverty, right? You know, yeah, he said yeah. first. And, and he, he definitely, he goes more into that. And, and not only are you pure in spirit, but he says, we really 
truly get to see that depth, not only when we're just, when we're poor in spirit, but when we're the poorest of spirits, when we're broken down. And this is a little mm -hmm. bit further in the chapter, right? Like when he discusses like when, when our, we are at our lowest of lows, that's mm -hmm. when we truly feel God and we can truly turn to him. Right. Because you realize that everything is a gift, right? Like you, you don't have possession of anything. And so you, when you see how rich your life is, but you also understand that you don't possess any of it, you have no real possession of it. So then you have that, that aha moment, like, oh, you know, God is holding me up through everything, you know? And so you get a lot closer to him because you realize that everything that you do, everything that you have, none of it is really yours, right? And that he's given all of it to you. And, and I'm sure people can relate, you know, over the past year and a half, kind of what's going on in COVID. I hate to tie everything back to COVID, but like, I'm sure there are people out there, you know, and we have probably at, at some point too, I know I have, like where we felt our lowest of lows, you know, mm -hmm. we were isolated from people, we were disconnected from everything. Uh, so it was, and it still is truly a time to kind of get closer to God. Uh, but at the same time, we could have, if we dwelt on that, it could have been a time to get further and further away. Uh, he, yeah, he, he talks about that, right? That how when you understand the poverty that um, you, even though you, you might understand that if you don't see like the love of God in that, it can lead to despair, right? You know, because like, look at what he says essentially about it, where he's talking about we do not possess life in such a way that it is impossible for anyone to take it away from us. And all that we are and all that we possess is, is ephemeral, in, ephemeral in this way. You say we have a body, it will die. We have a mind, yet it is enough for one minute vessel to burst in a brain for the greatest mind to be suddenly extinguished. We have a heart sensitive and alive. And yet a moment comes when we would like to pour out all our sympathy, all our understanding for someone who is in need. And at that moment, there's nothing but a stone in our breast. So it's kind of like when you realize all of that, if you don't have God in the picture, then there's, you know, it's kind of the, the nihilistic view of life that some people arrive at when they are like, oh, my life has no meaning. You know, I have no control. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's important to realize that when I, I'm sure folks out there have felt that at, at some time, mm -hmm. right? like there's, that's, that's a very common thing for people to say, I feel like, and especially with the last year and a half and everyone dealing with everything, I'm sure some folks out there have said something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. so how do we address that? <laughs> I don't know if that's the point of this, but it might be. Um, well, he's, he's saying that's the second aspect, right? So yeah. when, you, when you understand, so he said you start from the point of richness because our lives are very rich, right? You have people, a lot of times, this is something that people who have, seem to have everything in life go through. You have everything material, your life is good, everything seems to go your way, and then you're like, but my life has no meaning, you know? So you kind of end up in that situation where I don't have control of everything, I don't have control of anything, and I have all of this, where is it coming from? God has given it to me, you know? And, but I think what he emphasizes, and especially at the end of the chapter, he emphasizes this when he starts talking about fasting, right, is that that realization freeze you you know because when you try to take possession of something by your own hand it doesn't change the fact that you can't hold on to it it can be taken from you yeah you know yeah. so so realistically let's let's say someone is struggling through something like mm -hmm. this you know uh, just just to make it practical a little bit uh you know it's i i feel everyone who's kind of listening to this will be close to the church 
how do they get that sense that God is with them again? You know, uh, how do they get that sense that uh, they've given that everything has been taken away from them so they seek it in God? And it's, I, I feel like the answers are very basic. <laughs> you know, they're, they're kind of the same things that we've had. And like you mentioned in the end of the chapter, he talks about fasting. So definitely mm-hmm. fasting, but I think like we have to, we have to rely on God and we have to rely a lot on the resources around us, folks around us, uh, and yes. priests around us and uh, like those resources that God has given us. I think. So I think, I think arriving at the attitude of poverty really starts within the mind, right? Like just sort of observation of the world around you and your own life and the situations where you, you know, a lot of times we're kept distant from these things, right? Like your life just kind of goes along and then maybe some event will shock you. Like we have like something that unfortunately has happened a few times in our own parish of a very young person passing away unexpectedly. And you start to realize how thin your grip on life is. And that's stated in the scripture, right? Like, you know, when you, and he mentioned, as he mentions it, right? Like all of these things can be taken away from us, right? Like our, our, our very breath that we have, our hearts taken mm-hmm. away. Yeah, and this is like specifically if we go to James, you know, I can go to chapter four of James near the end from verse 13. He talks about not boasting about tomorrow. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You know, so it's being close to the church kind of you'll learn these things if you steep yourself in the scripture and in the life of the church is always that like, or what do we say when the Catholic epistle is read in the liturgy? Do not love the world or the things in the world. The world is passing away and all its lust, but he who does the will of God will abide forever. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's one of the things that kind of reminds me of that, how thankful he was in this passage, he talks about. Uh, how he and uh, a friend were, uh, they were planning, they were planning to be at a certain location at a certain time so that they can, they can eat, right? Mm-hmm. They, that, that they didn't have any, it seemed like from the book that they didn't have any money, that they couldn't provide for a meal for themselves. And they had planned and plans that they would arrive at the certain time and mm-hmm. food would just be provided for them. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, as as it so happens in the world, the world didn't provide, you know, we've seen this. I know you've seen this in your life. I'm sure everyone has where it's like, we plan for everything. It's like, it's the greatest thing in the world. And the world provides us as the book states, half a cucumber to eat for like for dinner. <laughs> right. And you have to split that half a cucumber with someone else. And, but one thing that he, he really, really stresses is that you have to be thankful for that half a cucumber in, right. in that time where you were expecting this big feast and all you get is half a cucumber. That's God providing you and telling you, this is all you need. You know, and he, he mentions how he, every little morsel, every little piece of that cucumber had such an amazing taste to it. Yeah. You didn't want to waste it. Right. Like, yeah, he is sacred. That's really what we have. Yeah. That's really the way we have to live is that when we, when we expect the world to give us this big feast and all we get is half a cucumber, we really have to appreciate it. And as hard as it is, it's, we can't do anything else, but appreciate it. Right? Yeah, I think it stems from the poverty, right? Because he's acknowledging, like, I have no, I have nothing but what God gives me. Yeah. And then, you know, 
like he gets the cucumbers like half a cucumber and his friends like let's say grace yeah huh then he eats it and he enjoys and then and then he said now let us give thanks yeah exactly right and if you're if you're if you come with this attitude that i'm expecting a feast and i don't get a feast you'll be sorely disappointed you know spiritually physically and Mm -hmm. and just you know it it will tear you up Uh, so yeah, when when you when like he, it's like he says when you recognize that everything is a con- continuous gift of divine love, now you're free to enjoy. You're free to enjoy what you have because you realize that in the end you have nothing, but that means you also have everything. You know. And not to jump to the very end, but I think it's I don't know. All right, we'll we'll get to the very end. I I feel like there is where he talks about the differences between different things in life. So maybe we'll get to that, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do we do? You think we should go over? So I mean, we can go to that that last part when he's talking about when you're fasting, right? So he's talking about that. He tries to talk. He's talking about fasting in the spiritual sense, which we a lot of times we are not able to understand that, right? We always look at it from the perspective of food, but he's talking about the attitude of sobriety, which allows you to never get enslaved by anything, right? So think about that comparison he makes he said say say you're not you're you're not hungry but there are so many things that you could eat and what would you want to eat and how remember how he describes it he's uh, what what page was that again it's on page 44 um oh so it's at the very end i was reading yeah, the, yeah. the end of 43 yeah so he, he says like you'll be like gulliver knit to the ground by one hair and another hair and another hair each of the hairs is really nothing, but the sum total will keep you solidly tied down. You know? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a really it's, interesting picture. Like how many times, like think about we, how many times, you know, you and I have been through this where like, you know, you have this abundance of choices for food, you know, like even if you're not really like I've eaten when I'm bored before, or I'll be like, you know, oh, yeah. I need to eat because I need, I haven't eaten a meal yet. And what, what I want to eat and like, Oh, I have all these choices or, or more realistically, right? Like whenever we go to buffet, you know, oh, yeah. sure everyone has experienced that, right? There's an overabundance of food and everyone seems like they've eaten too much. I don't mm-hmm. think anyone's ever gone to a buffet and said like, I ate just enough to hold me over till the next meal. Right? <laughs> I want to get my money's worth. I spent a whole $10 on this buffet. I'm going to get at least four or five meals. Right. <laughs> Even right. if I'm going to feel it tomorrow. Right. right. Exactly. It's like, you know, you, you put yourself through that suffering because like I'm owed something or I deserve this or, you know, like it's here. I might as well take from it. Like, why not? You know? Yeah. And so what is he like? He gives a very practical piece of advice at the end to get away from that. Right. He says to begin with, say no. If you haven't said no in time, you're in for a fight. But then be ruthless about it because reason and detachment are more precious than what you get as a slave in terms of enjoyment. Yeah. And right. it, it all goes back to saying no to the flesh. Uh, right. Like in a previous part in page 43 that I was looking at, uh, you know, it says uh, that sins of the flesh are the sins which the spirit commits against the flesh. Right. It's right. What he's kind of, I feel like what he's kind of saying is that, you know, our spirit, our will, our wants, uh, you know, it's, it's what makes it it's it's what we commit against the flesh it's not the flesh that is forcing us like our will can be stronger than the flesh if we want it to I oh think. yeah like how many times have you you know before you've sinned in any way like 
we don't, we like, you don't start out by saying, no, you like, you wonder, it's like, eh, should I do it? Can I get away with it? Or something like that. You know, we, a lot of times you'll end up in that situation or you've been in that situation as a younger person and you, you have to say no right away. If you don't start with no, this is not acceptable, then there's, it's so hard to come back from that. Like once you start down that, that road, and I think that's what he's alluding to. You had, like I said, you have to be ruthless about it. Because, you know, there's something about being free. Like one of the most frustrating things when you're trying to improve your spiritual life is feeling like you're not in control of what you do, I think. And I think that's. Yeah. And that's what he's saying here is that you are in control. You just it's kind of just a, a mental game you're playing with yourself by kind of giving yourself a way out and saying the flesh is weak and it's mm-hmm. not really the flesh right like it's so that, that sorry to, to interrupt that I feel no like no you're getting it right like it's, you're, you're absolutely right and i think i think what he's alluding to there is that it's because you don't say no immediately you kind of waffle or you know you want to do it but you you know it's not right but you know it's that kind of situation where you're in between you know and like that's something saint james talks about too is like you can't be double-minded you know, you don't expect to receive anything from God if you can't, you know, choose. You know, if you think you can serve God and man, it's not going to work. Um, so a lot of times we're trying to seek, we say we want the spiritual life, but we also want to enjoy like the physical life. And we want to have like that possession, right, that he was talking about. So, you know, he, he like you have to choose. And if you want to make it as easy on yourself as possible, he has to start out, say no, and keep saying no. You can't, you know, be in between. And I think one of the more important things, and he finishes, uh, you know, one of the things that he says towards the end, he finishes off by saying that uh, there are, uh, you know, every every one of our natural propensities has a counterpart, which is marked by evil. You know, so there are, there's a difference between attachment and love, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so we have a natural pretense, pretensity to love, but attachment is kind of our evil. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, right. uh, it's, it's exactly like that difference between the, the enjoyment and the possession, right? Yeah. It's like, it's a really common proverb. You'll see like the, was there's like the one about the flower where, you know, if you pluck a flower for yourself, the flower dies, you know, but if you just like want to enjoy it and it, you let it live and you can enjoy its presence for much longer, you know, so I don't think this is a concept that's foreign to most people's sensibilities, which again, it's what's so interesting about when he starts out, I was like, you're already so rich. So how is it that people who seem to be outside the church can seem to have such, you know, rich, meaningful lives? I'm not even talking about like, from a, we typically talk about like the material perspective, right? That's like, oh, all, all the people who are outside of the church are enjoying life and I'm suffering. But it's, it's also like they, they, you know, these people who do this, you know, sort of spiritual, you know, fusion where they try to take from everything. It's like they're just enjoying their life. Yeah, yeah. You know? There's there's a lot of people out there, and I'm sure if we haven't run across any of them, we've, we've heard of them, we've seen them on TV, right? Like, well, this individual isn't necessarily rich in, in a monetary sense, uh, but they're just happy, and they're happier than anyone you can imagine, right? It's not mm-hmm. because they have money. It's because they've they've seen, you know, they're they're rich in these other ways that we mm-hmm. seem to, to not get a grasp of. And I think that's what he's really getting at here. Is, uh, exactly. Yeah. Is that we have to we have to seek 
that type of richness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's saying, yeah, don't be attached. It's like the, you know, you're better off free than a slave, no matter how yeah. enjoyable being a slave is. Or, or don't be a slave. So what is he, we don't want to be slaves of sin. We want to be slaves to God. Because what, what did Christ say? If the son makes you free, you shall truly be free indeed. Yeah. You know, that freedom from sin, the freedom from the guilt and the consequences. You know. Yeah, and we all we all have that freedom inside of us, right? Like it's it, it's been given to us. Uh, we can seek it if we don't believe that we are strong enough to do that, right? And mm-hmm. just because, uh, just because we have failed once, just because we have sinned once or twice or a thousand times or a million times, right? It mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we're not going to achieve that freedom. It just means we're we're on our way towards it. And I think that kind of ties back to the beginning where it's always, we're always on this journey, as he said, right. Mm-hmm. The, the words, the exact words that he used, right. Like it's, uh, uh, we're, we're moving towards something richer and deeper, uh, from height to height and depth to depth. Right? Like exactly. We're always, we're, we're always increasing. Uh, mm-hmm. even if we are, if you find yourself that you're at a point where your sins have gone to, control of you or you feel like you don't have control of uh uh what you are doing like there's you're still stronger than you were like mm-hmm. it's the spiral right like in the ladder of divine ascent i believe they describe it's not a straight ladder it's a spiral you know or like i, I like the i like the graph imagery right where it's kind of like a line graph and it you know will have like these squiggly parts or like a staircase oh, yeah. where it's like up and down but the general trend is upwards so yeah, that's what he's yeah. talking about, right? When you're on yeah. the spiritual journey. Um, to, to, to put it into something a little more worldly, maybe that might help a few folks out there understand. It's kind of like the stock market. <laughs> terrible, terrible analogy, right? Like, you know, you're up one day and you're down one day. And when you're down, the world is falling and you're going to lose everything. You know, I hate to bring this into it, but this is kind oh. of every it's it's the same with everything else in life like there's nothing in the world that's just like a line straight up right like we're gonna have these ups and downs if you look at you could, something you could, else if, if, if you, you want if you want to complete the metaphor you could say it's you know day trading versus indexes where yeah. you know the index is the market return which they soften it is always up they the soften it yeah. always going or, up or to put it in another way right like if someone has been tracking COVID cases, you see one day they're up, one day they're down, but like the whole trend is what you look for. So it's, it's, it's really what you should be looking at in life. Like you're going to have high days, you're going to have low days, but where's that trend line? Is your trend line going up? Is your trend line going down? And mm-hmm. I would say for a majority of us, our trend line is going to be going up, right? Like, well, Cause we are always going to be for. stronger. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's good to look at the big picture, right? So, you know, you have to balance. It's always the life of balance. You can't be too easy on yourself, but you can't be too hard on yourself either. So, you know, if you're being too hard on yourself or you feel like that sort of like, Oh, I've got nothing. I'm, you know, I'm far away from God. You take a step back and look at the bigger picture and then always remember that you can come back and God's saying, always saying, come back. He's the one who's like there. He's kind of like, I'm here for you. Just, you know, come look for me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Like whenever, whenever we're lost, we always have that out. We always have that way back. So we'll hope that everybody who's listening has enjoyed this talk and will join us again next time. Uh, You know, I hope that these are beneficial to everybody 
And I really thank thank you, BC, for joining us today. You know, and um, for having us. And uh, yep. And we'll see you guys next time. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.